This episode of The People's Theology is brought to you by Creek Tea. Right now, you can use our code TPTPODCAST at creektea.com for 25% off your entire order. That's the code TPTPODCAST at checkout on the website creektea.com. The other breaking news we're monitoring from the border, where thousands of migrants from that caravan have now arrived. President Trump deploying thousands of troops to the U.S. border ahead of that migrant caravan surge. This is not a political stunt. What this is, is the president is trying to protect our borders from an invasion. What I call a political stunt is Camilla Harris and the arrest of the Democrats pushing a Russian collusion story, trying to protect Robert Mueller instead of protecting our border. Take your camera, go into the middle, and search. You're going to find MS-13, you're going to find Middle Eastern, you're going to find everything. Of course... Trump used uh, last night's rally to bring up his favorite pre-midterms talking point. A group of Central American migrants fleeing north to safety, a.k.a. the caravan. U.S. authorities fired tear gas at members of the Central American migrant caravan on November 25th after they rushed the fencing along the U.S. border with Mexico. Filling my role as the designated piñata on Fox News, I want to say... That's racist. I am ashamed... This tear gas choked me. We treat these people, these economic refugees, as if they're zombies from the walking dead. We have to deal with this problem humanely and with compassion. These are not the these are not invaders. Stop using these military analogies. This is absolutely painful to watch. This is we are a nation of immigrants. These are desperate people. They walk 2,000 miles. Why? Why is the world the way that it is? That's the question that we've been trying to answer in each episode of The People's Theology this season. Except, well, we haven't really been trying to answer that question. The question that we've been trying to answer is, why is the United States, and maybe Canada and Europe, the way that they are? Why are the experiences we have what they are? Why is the world we know the way that it is, not necessarily the broader larger, global community that we're a part of. This podcast is about America and the church's experience in America for the most part. And so I don't know that that's wrong or bad, but it's easy for us to get so sucked into our own micro-culture that we forget that there are other stories and other experiences happening in the world. And not only that there are other experiences but that those other experiences and stories might actually be more dominant than ours. Here's what I mean. The future of the church isn't America. It's the rest of the world. Now, maybe for a long time, America was the bastion of Christianity in the world. We can talk about whether that's true or good later. But let's just assume that that was true, that it was the capital of faith for the last 60 years. Well, it's not anymore. Latin America and Asia and Africa are rapidly growing in terms of their Christian population. And so the the future of Christianity is in those places, which means that the experiences of Christians in those places are actually more dominant than the experience of Christians in the United States. And that can be challenging to hear at first, but it's also really good news. Because maybe here we're overwhelmed by some issue or idea 
idea or topic or theme. But there's a larger, broader, bigger community of us that's having a different set of experiences often. And those experiences should speak into our experiences, inform what we're thinking about, inform how we're seeing the world, inform how we understand why our world is, in fact, the way that it is. My name is Johnny Morrison, and you're listening to The People's Theology, brought to you by Missio Day and the Gospel Collective in Salt Lake City, Utah. On today's episode of The People's Theology, we're continuing trying to answer that question of why is the world the way that it is, and what do we do about it? But I couldn't shake the feeling that we needed a broader lens. We needed stories that were not informed by our own context to shape how we understand this question and the answers to this question. Because though we may never intend for this to happen, it's easy for us to get stuck in our own little world, stuck in our tools and our solutions and the way that we've always solved problems. And so we need stories and experiences that are bigger than ours and from outside of us. But because we need resources that we don't have access to, a way to think about the world that we so often miss. So to help us do that, we're interviewing today a missionary and friend of mine who lives in Bolivia. Now, as you'll hear in a moment, he has focused so much of his life on learning what's happening in the culture, seeing what God is doing, joining in what's already happening, and trying to submit and practice giving up power. And that makes him a great storyteller. Someone who can reveal to us how God is moving in these other places, which gives us the creative resource to think about how he might be moving in our space, just in ways we don't always notice. The guy that I'm talking to today, his name is J.D. Reed. He's a friend of mine and, like I said, a missionary in Bolivia. So a few weeks ago, I called him up on the phone, uh, or I guess we FaceTimed, and I began to ask him questions about his experience in these kind of like other places outside of the United States. But before we get there, I think it's helpful to understand who he is because our story shapes, well, the story we tell later. I am a dad, uh, three great kids, a uh, husband of an awesome wife, 10 years in state from now, have been here in a cross-cultural setting for six. And um, I, I'm a guy that likes to see people grow and get closer to the Lord in any way possible. And, and I just get the opportunity to do that in a cross-cultural setting um, with people that are way different than me. I'm from West Virginia, grew up in a town of 500 people. And now I live in Santa Cruz, Bolivia, which is a city of 3 million. And it is, uh, it's just an adventure. It's a great adventure. How did you end up in Bolivia? Well, it's a long story. Our, our, move from pastoral to cross-cultural missions started about 10 years before we got here. Um, uh, started as me early on in our relationship, my wife and I, she felt called to missions as a, as a kid in high school. And I had no intention of leaving West Virginia. And then in 1999, actually it's been almost gosh, 19 years ago, I uh, went on a mission trip to India with some friends in, in the youth group and God used that trip to completely change my heart around. 
that uh, that he was much bigger than what was happening right in front of my nose. And I needed to open up my eyes and look around and see what he was doing around the world. It's that phrase. That simple phrase that I think makes J.D. a great storyteller and that we so need to pay attention to. Because in America, and probably in Canada and Western Europe, we have a habit of privileging our story, making it the primary story. And what that does when you're a Christian or you're in the church is that, well, then you're the lead character of that story, the primary protagonist of this story. And this happens to be a story about God and what he's doing and the work that he's accomplishing. And so all of a sudden, God's only working or accomplishing in our context. And maybe we would never say that, but that is how we live. So then we engage in these like foreign contexts or missional contexts as though we're bringing God with us. Or we look at uh, the crisis at the border and imagine that we're supposed to bring God even to that moment. When the key question is, well, what is God already doing in those places? Right? Because even if we just think about it in terms of sheer geography and demographics, there are more Christians in these other places of the world than there are here. And so obviously God is doing something in those spaces. So what is it? What's that story? How do we join in whatever's happening there? What I think, the way I would describe what a missionary should do, uh, is should come alongside local leadership, help empower them, train them, prepare them to do the ministry that God's called them to do, and then let them do it and, and work with them in, in their own culture, honoring their culture and not trying to impose mine upon them, and uh, working together to build the body of Christ contextually into what it's supposed to look like here for them, not into what I think it's supposed to look like for me. So like for, for our mission, when we started, uh, the one rule that our area director gave us was drag your feet. Do not, do not in any way, shape, or form start any ministry for at least a year and a half because you don't know those people yet. And you need to take the time, develop relationships, love people, learn who they are. One of my professors when I was in my master's program was Sam Escobar, Emma Escobar, a great missiologist uh, from Peru. Now he lives in Spain. And his thing was mission, it shouldn't be from here to there. And so if we're going just to take something and we're not willing to learn, that's not mission. So for JD, missions is first about submission. It's about recognizing that God is doing something in this place that you're entering into and you're not bringing him and you're not saving anyone and you're not rescuing people, but instead you're joining in what God is already doing. And just as that's true of mission work in Bolivia, that's true of any work we're doing anywhere. If we're not willing to submit, to learn, to be present, as opposed to bringing programs, to use language that Fitch talked about, well, then I don't know that we're doing anything helpful at all. You know, we, we've got stuck in a pattern of how church should be done or how church should be managed or even how missions should be done within the church. Uh, that we've turned everything into a program, and it's become um, uh, a an imperative that we do it a certain way so that it achieves a certain goal. It's almost like reading the book that says, if you do it this way, you're going to reproduce this thing. And, and if you look at it coming from the south up, so to speak, uh, it's a very different feel. You don't we don't do things the same way here. You you 
church lasts three hours sometimes, and that's okay, and everybody's all in, you know. Latin America gets a bad rap about uh, things starting late, but they may start late, but when you're there, you know you're there um, because you're fully engaged. It's not it's not as much spectator sport as it is full-on engaged, everybody's involved. It's just a little different, uh, you know, just, I think... I think because the, the church in the United States is changing, I think it one of the things that would be great would be as if, if, it, if it would be open to listen to more of the migrant population, to listen more of the ethnic population and say, how do you do church? What can we learn from you? Instead of saying, what is it you need from us? Um, just to stand on the other foot, so to speak. Because that's part of what, that's part of what church is, right? It's, we're all part of the same family believe in the same stuff we're all you know we're all part of the same family and not every family does things the same way and and there's good there's a good thing about that 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 we can have variation and still move in the same direction we'll be right back after a short break The People's Theology is brought to you by Everyman. Everyman is the maker of quality everyday carry goods like pens, backpacks, wallets, pencils, carabiners for your keys, and other kinds of, well, things you need to do everyday life. They make quality stuff, and the people who make them are amazing. If you've never looked at the Everyman catalog of goods, go to their website, everyman.co. And... Check out what they have, and then if you're ready to buy something or you want to buy something, use our code at the checkout, TPT Podcast, for a discount on everything that you're buying. That's TPT Podcast at checkout. So JD has been talking about joining God in the work that's already happening on the ground, which is a task of submission and respect and of learning to learn from other people. But in America, again, I think because we privilege and prioritize our own stories and experiences, well, it's hard to do that. It's difficult to hear the stories of others and learn and submit. I do think that it's very hard for those of us who have lived in a privileged home. It's going to be very hard to open up our, our hearts to that voice of the other. We see it as us and everybody else is the other, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a function of privilege. We need to start seeing people as people, as equals, because in Christ we are. You go back and you hear people talking about the church, and you hear them talking about how the church is just going down and down and down, following the way Europe went in secularization. But that's not where I'm at. That's not the case. And if you go into some bigger cities and you see ethnic churches, that's not the case. It's just we have to see past our own nose to see that there is other ways to do this, and they might. JD's feed from Bolivia cut out for a second, but what he's saying is that there's other ways to do this, and if we were paying enough attention, we might realize sometimes they're better. One of the things is, uh, you know, when it comes to changing cultures and, and, and trying to adapt to a culture, uh, that it, you know, I would wasn't living in South America. Uh, there's a very good possibility of being from 
the South and being from where I was from, that I would be right in the middle in some sense of that because I would have no context. Uh, and so I think it's been a really good thing for me uh, in that I've been able to learn that there is more than one way to get a cat, so to speak. You know, there's more than one. It's that issue that I think makes so many of us in the West feel despondent. And so I asked J.D. if he felt despondent living in Bolivia and seeing a different kind of church, a different side of the church. Does he feel the same kind of despondency, even as he names the privilege that often leads to so many of our feelings of despondency? Well, I have a a really unique um, position. specifically working with churches in Bolivia here in Santa Cruz and in the city of Cochabamba. But in this past year, I have taken on this new position. I'm what's called a regional consultant. And so I get to travel all over Latin America uh, with this master's program. And so I get the opportunity to, I've been to Brazil, I've been to Mexico, I've been here. Um, going to be going to a bunch of different other countries in the next two or three years. And I get to see the church all around Latin America. And I can tell you, I am excited about what God is doing around the world. I think um, it's a shame that more people don't see what God is doing around the world. Um, some of the students we have are doing phenomenal ministries in their local context. They're taking the gospel and they're, they're making it uh, accessible to people, whether it's through, for some of them, it's nutrition programs, for some of them, it's through uh, medical issue programs. One of our students was a doctor and she wanted to do a master's in theological studies so she could do more counseling with the abused women in her community. Um, we had a lady who was actually an Anglican who her summative project for the program was uh, she wanted to write, come through the basic tenets of the faith and what it meant to be, what it meant to be a believer. And um, the Anglican church took her, uh, took her project in a bunch of different languages and sent it all over Africa and South America and all these different places. And so I, I'm excited about what God's doing around the world. Uh, it, our, our mission's kind of motto is we're, you know, um, I don't know if I said that and I just forgot. <laughs> <Take> this part. <laughs> our mission is, is uh, on earth as it is in heaven is what our mission's motto is. And, and our goal Lord's is prayer. that we would be saved. No, yeah, I think. We're saying it that way, yeah. <laughs> no, I, was, I was thinking about something else. Yeah, anyway, um, but it's it's all about, <laughs> oh, gosh, in thinking about what heaven is going to be, right? It's going to not look white. It's going to be multicolored, multiracial, and multi-ethnic. And um, I, I'm excited about what the church is doing. I'm excited about what God's doing around this. I don't at all see it as a disincluding time in the church. I think this is, this is the best time to be a part of the church. Now that, that is the tragic thing we miss when we prioritize and privilege our experience in the West above and against the experiences and stories of people all around the world. It's so easy to get disappointed and despondent about the nature of the church in the United States. Every week we've talked about it. This whole season we've talked about it. And yet, if we would open our eyes and stop privileging our own story, we would see that God is doing something amazing all around the world. Something that is beautiful, something that is life-giving, and something that might truly inspire hope 
if we'd be willing to learn and submit to it. See the church for what it can be. I'm excited for where it's going. I mean, I get to see, I get to see some really cool people doing really cool ministries. And here's the thing, that shouldn't be that surprising to us. If we're reading God's story or paying attention to how he moves throughout history, he always is moving where we, the people at the center of power, least expect. In fact, he's always moving in the least expected places, away from centers of power and glory and celebrity. You can call it the margins, but the truth is, it's the world. It's just not the one that we in the West are paying attention to. But we need to. We need to pay attention to what's happening. Learn to see God in those spaces. And instead of imposing something on him, join with what he's doing. Submit to it. Learn from it. And then we might find that our world actually begins to change. One of the most common questions that I get asked as a pastor is, where is God? In the midst of tragedy and heartbreak and hardship, where is God? In the midst of all the things that we see, all the things that we bear witness to, not even on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis, where is God? Where is he moving? What is he doing? What is he accomplishing? And I think a lot of it comes from this impulse that we want God to do big things, big defined as giant coercive gestures of power. And I think one of the reasons we want that is because we've forgotten how God works. But another is because we've forgotten to watch where God is working. And what the story of JD does and what his experience does for us is point us back to the places that God is in fact working. When we see that, when we start to pay attention to where God is working and remember how God works, but we realize that he is in fact working and he's doing something that is beyond and above and bigger than coercive acts of power. He's doing something that has lasting change. And that is hopeful. That is inspiring to me. And it helps me remember what the church, even in my context, can be. You've been listening to The People's Theology, brought to you by the Missio Collective in Salt Lake City, Utah. For more information about who we are and what we do, check out our website at missioutah.com. I want to offer a special thanks to JD for being on the show and FaceTiming me all the way from Bolivia amidst his busy schedule. The music on today's episode is brought to you by Lee Rosevere, Scott Holmes, and Broke Free. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, and I know that I say this every single episode, would you go to iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and rate us with five stars? It really helps people find the show. And even more importantly than rating us, would you share this episode with someone you know? Maybe they're having similar kinds of conversations or have similar kinds of questions. Or maybe they just like a good podcast. Well, share it with them. We don't advertise the show and it only spreads by word of mouth, by you being willing to share it. So do that. Thanks for listening.